I'm Mary Angela Abeo, and this is the Face to Faces podcast, a conversation series that provides a platform focusing on the LGBTQ and POC communities and their allies in the areas of activism, politics, mental health, arts and entertainment, and community. In this space, we discuss the human experience in our ever-changing world. My goal here is to remind you that while you may have moments where you feel isolated and alone, there is always an incredible community of people here that is safe. We all connect to people at our deepest pains and our greatest joys. And in this space, we're here for those moments and everything in between. I'm so glad you're here. Take a seat next to me. It's always open. Now, let's lean in. Okay. Welcome back, everyone. We are here this episode with, um, arguably, people are going to get mad at this, but one of my favorite followers and now friends on the Faces of Fortitude project. Um, Shanique is here from New York City, and I will let Shanique introduce themselves. Hello, um, my name is Shanique, uh, pronouns uh, she and her, and uh, I am currently a behavior therapist for children on the spectrum, and um, I'm working on my master's right now uh, in special education, and yeah. That's a little bit about me. And you're a survivor. Yes, I am a survivor. <laughs> yeah, and that's why Shanique is here. I, you know, they. When did you? How long ago did you apply to be in the project? Oh, I would say around like the end of last year, I think. Yeah, because I remember you've been following me for a while, and then you messaged <laughs> me, and you were like, "I finally got the courage." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, I'm so excited to see your name on here because my my applications come up in a spreadsheet." And um, yeah, it, it, it takes a lot of courage to take that step. So I was really sad when COVID happened and I wasn't able to go to New York, which was scheduled for June, um, because you were one of the faces I was really excited to shoot. But this actually makes it so we can do it, you know, from afar. So you're in the city, you're in New York City. So I just moved um, to Rhode Island, but yes, I'm from New York City. I was born and raised there. Uh, I actually, I was born there and then my family were, um, they're from Dominican Republic. So I lived in Dominican Republic for about eight years. And then around 2011, I came back to New York. And now you're in Rhode Island. Nice. I'm in Rhode Island. I've been here for about two months now. <laughs> How do you like it? I love it here. It's very different. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's not that New York City rush, like, oh, I have to, you know, jump on the train. It's coming, you know, on right. five minutes, but it's it's great. I love it here. <laughs> well, I'm excited we're finally making this happen. I feel like I'm connecting with these old faces that were approved so long ago that I've now watched you grow. We've watched each other grow. And um, it's kind of a nice uh, full circle moment for me. Your picture's still being taken. That's still happening. This is just like part one is what I'm telling people. And then part two will happen still. But um, I'm excited that we get to talk. And I feel like you probably, you know, I always start with my story because I always tell people, how's anybody going to share probably some of the hardest moments in their life with you if you don't share yours first. Mm -hmm. And 
I mean, you've heard my story how? Through my talks, through the page? Yeah, through TED Talk and um, also some of the podcasts as well. Yeah, okay, cool. So you've heard the gist of it. I think what a lot of people don't know is, you know, um, my struggle as a child and as a youth, um, my attempt when I was 17 was so a lot of kids struggle their whole lives. And I struggled. I had like an abusive background and and all of that. But I actually didn't have depression as a kid. Like I didn't struggle with that. I was very resilient. I had to be a survivor. And those of us who have had like abusive parents know that you grow up really fast mm-hmm. and you become a survivor really fast. And you can and that's why those of us are type A personalities now. And we're very like, we got it. We can get through anything. Um I feel like a lot of survivors, childhood PTSD survivors handled this election different than others because the, a lot of the younger generation um, was very like, oh God, it's over. Oh God, what are we going to do? And a lot of the PTSD survivors that I know and childhood abuse survivors were like, we got this. Like we can totally do this. This is nothing. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's how I was as a kid. And then I think the sexual assault, when I was raped, I think, um, it shook my foundation. I was all of a sudden like, Oh God, what is going to happen here? I don't want to be here anymore. I'm so overwhelmed with the feelings of shame. And, you know, I think, um, I was scared of needles. I was scared of knives. I was scared of cutting myself. I was scared of guns. Mm -hmm. So those were all options that were off the table for me. Um, I knew pills were easy. I had a mom that was very sick that had lupus and epilepsy. So I knew where to get medicine. Like she always kept pills in her purse because she would have seizures and, um, she needed them near. So I knew where to find them. So I literally went straight to her purse and grabbed as many as I could get and went to the bathroom and took them all and then turned on. What was I listening to? I want to say it was Duran Duran because that ages me nice. Um, (laughs) And I laid on my bedroom floor. Yeah, and that's all I remember. And my sister and brother finding me was pretty dramatic because my sister called the ambulance. And honestly, the only visual of my brother, who was 11, that I have is him standing pretty far away. He was definitely scared and just frozen, staring. And, you know, it's kind of an image that haunts me a little bit because I'm like, I wish somebody would have talked to him. I wish somebody would have explained to him what was happening. Um, But I was not only traumatized because what was had happened, but I was traumatized with the aftermath, you know, how families deal with suicide attempts. And it's funny because I read body language and I just... um, wrote a piece about this and I can always tell when people connect to something and I can tell when you're connecting to things that I'm saying. So it's, but it's such a common thing with so many of us that have suicide attempts is that the moment that it happens and the moment that you make that choice, um, you just want to disappear. You want the feeling to go away. You don't want to be there anymore, but how it's handled afterwards is probably even more important in my opinion than handling why it happened in the first place because handling it, how it happened. I mean, my whole existence was shaken by the fact that my attempt wasn't acknowledged. It was, 
she's just sick. She's just in the hospital for a few days. Your sister's just sick. She was just having a little bit of a issue with her health. It's fine. Like it was never acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And that makes you feel unseen. It makes you feel unheard. And even, you know, my, and a lot of people don't know this. My mom um, came, I woke up to the doctor and my mom standing over me. My mouth tasted like epicac and um, charcoal because I had been made to throw up. And um, my mom was apologizing to the doctor for me wasting his time. And that's what I woke up to. And I was like, and I still was breathing through it. And I was just looking at the ceiling and I was kind of, so a lot of the stuff, what I didn't know is in the bottom of my purse, my mom had a lot of Sudafed, like loose Sudafed. So I took Dilaudid uh, and I took some of her epilepsy medicine, but I also took Sudafed. So I was a little bit woozy as well. And um, all of a sudden a candy striper comes in and, I don't, you're old enough. Are you old enough to know what a candy striper is? It was before HIPAA laws and like um, privacy laws and healthcare. Candy stripers were usually high school kids who needed extra credit for their college applications. And they did volunteer work in the hospitals, but they're not allowed anymore just because of privacy laws. Mm -hmm. um, so the candy striper came in and she was a high school student with me. And she was one of the many cheerleaders that bullied me. And so when she walked in, it was just icing on this fucking shit cake for me. I was like, perfect. This blonde hair, blue eyed fucking trick, like trying to tell, make me feel bad about my life. So literally she was looking down at me at this, on this bed and she went. And for one split second. So I had told the doctor that I had been raped and um, my doc, the doctor told my mom and my mom proceeded to kind of argue with him and say, I don't think she knows what that means. I think there's probably a mistake. And so I'm like fighting tears. And I have like, I just remember hearing the tears hitting the paper on the bed because they were going down this way. Cause I was on my back. Mm -hmm. And when she walked in for a split second, and I wrote about this in my memoir. And when I wrote it, I cried and I sat and I looked at the paper because I realized that I had felt this. I looked at her for a split second and thought, because they were talking about the rape when she walked in, I thought, maybe this will be a moment of solidarity with this person because she goes to school with me, because she knows these boys that did it, because she's aware. She has to know. She has to know that they're dangerous. She has to know that this happened. Maybe she will find some humanity and maybe for a split second, I'm going to have I'm not going to be alone. Like I was so hopeful for a split second. And then she looked at me, she shook her head and then she looked at my mom and she said, you know, things like that just don't happen in our school. She just doesn't have friends. And I think that she's just trying to get attention and my heart sunk. And I was just like, <sighs> and I started to cry. I remember. And my lip was, my mouth was quivering because I did not want her to see me cry. I was so mad. I was so angry. And that is the day that I told myself that I would never, ever, ever let anyone make me feel like that ever again. Never let anyone make me feel like I want to die. Never let 
anyone make me feel less than I was because that's what this girl was doing in that moment. And her, that is the moment that I decided to live my life out of spite. Lots of people will say that's not healthy, including my fucking therapist. But (laughs) um, you know what? I have thrived. I have thrived out of spite my entire fucking life, whether it was somebody who did me wrong, somebody who fired me at work, somebody who broke up with me, all of those things I have done. Let me show you how great of a human I am going to be despite how fucked up you were to me. Mm -hmm. That's fuel. And so that was the moment that I decided to live. And I think that um, we all have those moments, those of us who have attempted to take our lives. Um, where I failed, and this is just my opinion, where I failed to respond was taking that energy and taking that new found feeling and talking to my brother about it because, and my sister too. I feel like both of my siblings got a disservice from me because I didn't explain that transformation that happened to me. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't stop thinking about wanting to get the fuck out of my house. And like, you know, when I was 18, I was like, bye. So I decided because you, your story is connected to an attempt. I feel, I felt like that was an important part of my story to tell since you've heard a lot of my story. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, I don't think we often look back at our survival and how important those moments are. You know, yes, I was sad. Yes, I was devastated. Yes, I was crushed and hurt and traumatized. But also, man, I pulled through it. I pulled through it. And I got a new lesson on life. What? And we're here today. Still right. pushing. <laughs> right. And I think that when my brother died, I immediately... Um, related to being a survivor of loss. And so I started even the beginning year, uh, year of faces of fortitude. I did a lot of, Oh, and I lost this too. And I did a lot of connecting to people that lost And my first like group of faces. There were a lot of losses, but I think as I started to really unpack things in therapy, especially, I realized that I really needed to go back more. I needed to go back to my own attempt and I needed to connect what happened there and so I would, I'm excited to hear your story because I've talked about this before. I didn't retain it when you applied. I don't retain much in general <laughs> in life. Um, I'm excited to hear it for a few love, for a few reasons, not because I'm excited that you struggled um, or that you tried to take your life, but that, and I don't know why this makes me emotional every time I say it, but I can't imagine you not being here. Like, I'm just excited that you survived your attempt and that I get, we get to talk about it right here. Like if anything that you celebrate, you should celebrate that because there is going to be at least one person that listens to this, that feels less isolated and less alone because we're both sharing, you know? Yeah, exactly. So before I, we get to you though, if you have questions about me at all, like I'm an open book, I will share whatever, so if you have questions about my journey, you can totally ask. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the part I wanted to share with you today. Yeah, I want to thank you for sharing that um, because I relate a lot to that part of your story. Um, so as I said, like I was born here in New York and, um, you know, I lived very normal life, happy. I was a happy child, like 
both of my parents were married and, you know, um, I had friends in school and, you know, everything was great here. And then um, my mom, you know, gave me the news that uh, my dad opened the business, a hotel business in Dominican Republic. So we were moving over there. Mm. So I was like, okay, like, cool. Like I always went there for vacation and I had fun and I was like, I'm super excited for this because my parents would talk to me in Spanish, but I always responded to them in, in English. So I was like, I get to learn more Spanish and be more fluent in it. Um, so yeah, when we arrived to Dominican Republic, um, we were looking for a school where it would be bilingual, mostly English, but also still have Spanish classes. Um, and I went to a very prestigious school and it, it was very well known. Like people, you know, if you name that school, people will be like, oh, like you're, you're rich. Like automatically they will assume that you're rich just because you went to a bilingual school. Right. Um, so I did third grade till sophomore year over there. So that, um, and in all of those years, unfortunately, I experienced some type of bullying. In third grade, um, it started with one kid um, just making fun of my name. Um, mm. He would call me Shanaka and, and like, just make like, make everybody in the classroom just like yell that, that and just like making a beat or like, you know, just making fun of my name. And then it just escalated to him. I remember I remember this event like yesterday because that day it, it really broke me. Like, I was like, man, like, I don't think I'm gonna like uh, make any friends or like just be happy in this, in, in this school. And it was Halloween. Um, I had dressed like Snow White and he had dressed as a vampire and he just came up to me and spilled like a whole bunch of fake blood all over my costume. What? Yeah. And I went, I was crying so hard and I went to the bathroom. Like I was just crying and crying in the stall. Like nobody came. And then like my teacher came and she was like, oh, it's okay. Like, you know. It's this just around, you know, he didn't really mean it. And, you know, you know how it is. <laughs> um, like, just basically saying, like, you know, what he did was okay. Like, it's not, it's nothing. We're just kids. Like, it's not, it's not, you know, relevant. Um, and, yeah, then, you know, fourth, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, I think, Another event that I really remember was in fifth grade, um, you know, in the classrooms, like outside, they would have like a bulletin board and we would have to like write assignments and, you know, like right. the, the teachers would post them on the bulletin board. And we had to write about like a family member and bring a picture of ourselves with that family member. And I wrote about my cousin. And in this picture, I'm just next to her. And like my smile was very big. Like I smiled very big. There's no hiding in that. It's one of <laughs> um, my favorite things about you. Yeah. And um, my teeth weren't obviously perfect. They were, you had a lot of gaps and, you know. Um, so, you know, the teacher posted it and then, um, sorry, other people from other classes came and would look at the, uh, the pictures and they would just laugh. They would laugh at my smile. 
they were just like, oh, your smile is so big. Like, what's like, is that even normal? Why do you smile with your gums? Like they, they just made horrible comments. <laughs> just, it's horrible. It's, Let me just make that statement officially. Yeah. Um, you know, and while all of this is happening in school, I'm also experiencing bullying in my own household. I've always been a chubby kid as a kid. Um, and even like growing up, I struggled a lot with my weight and my parent, my mom, especially, um, and one of my aunts, they always like said like, oh, you have to lose weight. You have to lose weight. Like they always instilled in me, even though it's not true, that you, you're only beautiful when you're skinny. And it's like, so I grew up with that standard in my head. Um, so there were times that, you know, I just wouldn't eat or like would eat very small meals. Um, I was in four different sports just to lose weight. I was in the track team. I was in the soccer team. I was in the basketball team. I was in the volleyball team. Like I just tried to maintain myself like active to like lose weight. Um, but, you know, I was just struggling with so much going in my house and also at school that mm-hmm. was like, the weight wasn't going away. <laughs> um, Cause you know, sometimes I would just, some days I would overeat because I didn't eat much, you know, the previous day. Um, yeah. And the middle school came around and it went from, you know, not only a school, it went to Facebook. They started commenting under my pictures and just saying like, Oh, like I still like, I still have the, the comments under those pictures because unfortunately they're in other people's profiles and they're not, you know, deleted. And like one, one time, one day I looked through them and I'm just like, wow, like these people were so rude. They would say things like, oh, when I pull up your picture, like my phone was like screen broke, like something, some something along those lines. People yeah. are horrible. Horrible. And then like, you know, it made me isolate myself in class, in, in my classes. Um, and my teachers were always wondering, like they would assign us group projects. And I'm like, no, I want to do it alone. Can I do it alone? Like, I just, I did not want to deal with them. I did not want to be, you know, around them. And they were always wondering like why. And I just never explained it to them. I never seeked help. I never went to a guidance counselor because like in Dominican Republic, unfortunately, like mental health is not really like, they don't really talk about it. It's like a phase. It's like, oh, you have depression. Like, oh, you'll, you'll get over it. Like it's not, it's not rec- like, I don't know how to explain it. Like they yeah, don't, it's they not important. Like, it sounds like yeah, it's not really important. They don't really talk about it. Um, so you know, there are a lot of organizations, though, you know, built by young, younger um, people that they're raising awareness of every type of mental illness and suicide. And it's I love seeing it because I kind of wish I had that, you know, back back when I lived over there. Um, so, yeah, once like the cyberbullying was happening, also in school, isolating myself. I didn't really have any friends. I only had like one friend and she, you know, we were really good friends. Um, 
unfortunately, like we don't talk anymore, but, um, and like, I just, I didn't know what to do. I was just like, what's the point? What's the point of being here? So, um, sorry. Don't be, don't ever apologize to me for getting upset, especially about bullies. You know how bad I was bullied. And not only that, but it comes up when we're adults. Like it comes up when in our relationships, when we're bullied as a kid and we sabotage relationships, we sabotage friendships because we are protecting ourselves from those assholes that hurt us when we grew up. So making room for this in your body, making room in your body by getting this out is so important. Yeah. um, Just... You know, one night I just went into the bathroom, I locked myself, and I just started cutting my wrists. <laughs> um, my first cut, I was, it, it felt painful, but I was like, I'm just going to keep going. And I just saw a lot of blood and I just, I kept doing it. And then I just grabbed a towel and just wrapped myself and just... <laughs> let the blood stop. I didn't cut very deep. It was just like, it doesn't matter. That's not what that's about. But then, yeah, like the next day I went to school and the one friend that I had, she noticed it because I I always left my house with a jacket on, even though it was really hot. I just, I always wore a jacket just so like my mom wouldn't see it or, or my dad. Um, and she was just like, what is that? And I'm like, well, I just I just grabbed a knife and did it. And she was like, why are you doing this to yourself? Wait, can and, we uh, pause here? How did mm-hmm. that feel? I want to pause for a second. How did that feel when somebody asked and cared? It felt great because I just thought that I was alone and nobody really cared about my feelings or like after all, you know, everything happening to me. Um, so her like actually coming up to me and actually noticing was what was going on. It just, it was very alleviating. And, um, you know, she, she told me to not ever do that again. Um, you know, and she said like, if, if, um, if she want, like, if I wanted to, to like talk to my mom, because like we had a really good relationship with our mothers, and she and I said no, like I don't want to bring her into this. And she said, "Do you want to go to the guidance counselor? Like, I'm sure she can help you, and you can like talk about what's going on. Like, just having that support by that one person just made like a difference." Um, I mean, I bet you it saved your life. Yeah from you not doing it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I just, it, it was just that, you know, that one occasion. And I just, I didn't. Cause whenever I would have those thoughts of doing it again, I just remembered her and her face and her reaction. So it would just like made me, you know, like, no, like I'm not going to do this again. Like, you know, let's find, you know, other like let me distract myself with something else right um yeah and uh 
I only spoke with the guidance counselor like probably once. I wasn't very comfortable talking about it. Um, Isn't it strange these things that are set up for us to use as tools and help really aren't helpful? Yeah, Uh, it was just because like, I didn't know what depression was. I didn't know what anxiety was. I didn't know what mental, any mental illness was. I didn't know why was there a reason for me to like talk to the guidance counselor. Like I was so young, like I was only in eighth grade. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I but just- again, you were only in eighth grade. You took a knife to your wrists in eighth grade. Like that is something to sit with. Like- Sure, you didn't know the big words of mental illness, but you knew you were struggling and you knew you wanted to relieve it and nobody around you was helping. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, yeah, and um, end of eighth grade, things kind of calmed down with the cyberbullying and like things at my school and they actually wanted to become my friends. <laughs> and- that a weird that sounds but two of two of my classmates actually approached me and they were like because they noticed that I was working on the project alone and they were like oh do you want to work with us and I was like sure you were like skeptical I was kind of very skeptical because like they were you know they've never really like I don't know how like they would bully me but not that much like in support of the the bigger bullies if that makes sense i don't know they said no i totally know there are there were lesser bullies that would do it just so they wouldn't get bullied exactly yeah yeah um so you know i i just started you know working with them in every project they they approached me always though because i was like no like i don't want to do it and they were like no like you can join us it's okay like you know we'll work on this together and i was like okay like you know, then I was starting to like kind of calm down. And then because of them, everybody else in my classroom were like, oh, you know, maybe she's not so bad. And, you know, maybe we should be friends with her. And, right. Yeah, it, it was like a whole ordeal. And then like, you know, in, temp, um, in my sophomore year, like my last my last day of school, like I, I told them I was coming back to New York and like I'm not like I, I was going to leave. And they gave me like this huge teddy bear and like this huge card with like, oh, we're going to miss you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were like, uh-huh. <laughs> I went home. I ripped that shit <laughs> into so many pieces. <laughs> and I was like, no, I am not going to do this. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm so glad you did that. I'm no, so glad. That, must have, that had to have been so therapeutic. Yeah, it really was. And you know, and it 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 kind of pissed me off because it was just like, you know, they were like, oh, like, yeah, we'll keep in touch. Like, you know, we'll meet up later on in the road. There were like four of my classmates who lived in New, in New York, never bothered. I, I tried to, you know, attempt to see, oh, do you want to grab, you know, coffee or just meet up? They always made up excuses. They or they were too busy, or they were like, "Oh, like I, you know, the day would come. Oh, I can't meet up anymore." Like all this, and the friend that I told you about, yes, she's one of them. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. Yeah, 
like a lot of them follow me on social media and like they comment on my stuff and I'm just like you can watch and see me yeah. Isn't that great? Like <laughs> out of spite, like I said, thrive out of spite. Like yep. it's crazy because now that I'm kind of a little bit more forward facing in, in social media, I have had high school kids that bullied me add me on social media because the comment, so the common thread here, and I've actually read that this happens too, and I didn't believe it until I saw it happen with my own eyes. Most bullies either don't think they bullied or don't remember bullying. Yes. So this, this is where my next thing comes. You ready for this? Oh, I'm so excited. I was so spiteful that when, that one day that I was scrolling through my Facebook, looking at old comments, I screenshotted them, screenshotted all of them, posted it on my Instagram story. I didn't put their names, yeah. like I covered their names, but their picture was there. And I was like, this is what I went through when I went to this school. And so many people approached me from my school saying, I went through the same thing. You're not alone. Wow. I love that. Your level of petty, I aspire <laughs> to my friend. And I am here for it. I need to get, actually, I think I'm going to get a tattoo that just says petty, I've decided. <laughs> that is just who I am. Um, it is, it's necessary. You know why you have to do shit like that to make people accountable. Even if you don't make them accountable, make them know that you remember. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like also just so you can get that anger out. So it doesn't consume you yep. because I think for a long time I was so resentful and so pissed and hated the people that bullied me so much. But what I realized was when I, because I confronted two of them, when I realized they really had no idea how harmful they were mm -hmm. and, and, or they just told themselves they were doing something different than they were. Mm -hmm. And so the only person that was holding on to anger was me. Yeah. And it was, it was like, it was not paying rent in my body. It was consuming things that didn't deserve to be consumed. Mm -hmm. And I had to let go of it simply for the fact that they didn't deserve any space of mine and any time exactly. and any energy. Yeah. And so a few of them added me on Facebook several years ago and mm -hmm. I had a cousin that I went to school with. So she and I were actually friends, but she was the cool soccer girl. She played soccer. I was bullied, but I was given some passes like in some of the sports world because who my cousin was and we were the same grade. Right. But then some of her friends were just fucking horrible to me, mm -hmm. horrible. And I recently saw them at, I saw them at a funeral that we went to for a mutual friend and a wedding mm -hmm. in, the, in the last like five years. And everybody wanted to be my friend. Of course. <laughs> and so I'm, if not petty, I don't know what I am. Um, so I would, I'll add you on Facebook. Absolutely. I will even say hi to you at an event. But what happened was, and it was, I didn't want to go to this funeral because two of the people, two of the three people that sexually assaulted me were going to be there. Mm -hmm. And they know that I talk about it. And then their friend group hates me because I've talked about it, but I've never said names. I've never, you know what I mean? I've been really careful because I don't need to get sued, whatever. Um, so one of the girls and one of the guys came to me and they were like, Oh my God, you're doing an amazing thing. It's so great to see you again. It's been so many years. And they were like a little gushy. And um, my exact words were, 
did we go to school together? <laughs> I'm not even sure. What's your name, sweetie? I'm sorry. Yeah. I totally yeah. don't remember you. Mm-hmm. Wow. I feel like I would remember somebody like you, but I don't. I mean, in reality, I absolutely remembered every single horrible thing they did. But you are not getting that. Mm-hmm. from Like, I oh. am going to forget you every day in front of your face to remind you of what not being seen feels like. Yep. Yep. Like, and they were both like, no, 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 we went to school together. We were, we were friends. We were tight. And I was like, were we, were we tight? Are you sure? <laughs> is, that, is that really how, are we, is it, was it? Cool, cool. <laughs> like, I'm going to, I'm going to make them question themselves for a while. I'm going to make them squirm. They mm-hmm. see me, they like my stuff on Facebook all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah. go ahead and keep liking, sweetie. Like, I'm not going to acknowledge you at all. Yep. Yep. A lot of them. Somebody, somebody commented recently and said, I might be hundreds of miles away, but I just wanted you to know I'm so proud of you and your journey. And I talk about you all the time, bitch. I <laughs> literally, I literally said, I am proud of me. And I am, uh, uh, what did I say? I said, no need to be proud of me. I'm proud of me. Thank mm-hmm. you. Bill. Like you don't take any credit. If anything, exactly. I am who I am today in spite of you and your behavior. Mm-hmm. So I love that you did that. I love, I mean, I feel like you almost like, um, like Mariah carried them a little bit. Like you were like, yeah. here's all the, the receipts, darlings. Like, and I'm going to block your name, but Hey, your picture is still there. So if people know you, then they'll see you like, yep. And one only one of them actually apologized to me. But you got yeah. an apology? That's huge. I've never had an apology. He was one of the big bullies. Really? He was one of the big bullies. And I was like... Tell me yeah. about that conversation. Tell me about the whole thing because I'm fascinated and I love that. Yeah. Uh, I actually kind of want to pull it up if you don't mind me. Um, please do it because I was... So many of us that are bullied as children or as youth, as teenagers... First of all, I have to say that the people in the project and Faces of Fortitude that have been bullied, the stories are heartbreaking. They're horrible. They are traumatizing. Yeah. And my my story of bullies is the same. Like I have been traumatized by bullies in my past. And so when I hear not revenge, I'm not a revenge. Yeah, no, I am. I'm Italian. I'm totally down for revenge. Like when I hear about people getting revenge, getting spite, having the last word, being like, especially when people prevail mm-hmm. and the bullies come crawling, it's my favorite moment. So yeah. yes, I'm here for an so apology. One apology and the other one was the one that denied everything. Oh, oh my gosh. That, that, <laughs> that's actually infuriating. Oh my gosh. That I was like, at there was one point of the conversation I just stopped responding because she was just getting on my nerves. And I posted her stuff too. I was like, mm, yes, not staying, yes. Not staying quiet. This is not staying quiet. And one of my one of my classmates, she was in my she was in my school until sixth grade. So she didn't really like experience my the the cyberbullying. Um but she said, you know, I reached out to this person and I told her it was not right for her to not acknowledge your feelings and for her not to give you a backhanded sorry. I was like, thank you. I you did not, not have to do that. But I love you. that. Yeah. 
So I'm going to read. Yes, please. Book. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, he said, hey, Shanique, I just wanted to write this message really to apologize. Growing up is no doubt that all of us made mistakes, some bigger and more stupid than others. But I learned from them and they all made me the better person I am today. I am truly sorry for all the things I might have said or posted in the past that might have been mean to you and anybody else. Unfortunately, there is nothing I can do to make to make that all disappear. But all I can promise to you is that I'm truly sorry about it. And I wish this had not happened. All the memories we had together growing up were awesome. This this was like after yeah. <laughs> calm down. I can remember all the good times and all the laughs we, we had in and out of school. And they truly showed me you did not deserve any of that. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, okay. <laughs> I understand if you don't forgive me because I bet it's not easy, but I at least wanted to know that I am, I at least wanted you to know that I am sorry. And hopefully one day you can see that. I also wanted to ask to please keep this message between us. I was like, <laughs> but yeah. you know what I love that and you know why I love that it made me emotional at first because I was like he's acknowledging your feelings mm -hmm. he's also acknowledging the fact that it he made a mistake and that he's grown from it and he's better because I think right now we're in this cancel culture mm -hmm. which call out culture I approve of cancel culture is hard for me because I feel yeah. like rehabilitation is important learning growing is important but if people are blatantly disrespecting traumatizing and hurting people that's different mm -hmm. but you know i think that um we're all doing our best we're exactly. all trying our hardest and kids that are bullies what i've learned is kids that are bullies it's coming from somewhere they yeah. were bullied by their parents. They have no, no control. They have. So when I, um, I was a little known fact about me. I was a substitute teacher for a while. Um, and, um, when Madison was young, it was just a part-time gig, just helping in schools. And, um, I found myself working in high school and I had all of these wounds from being a bullied, from being bullied, wow. but I was this tattooed, young, cool, hip person all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So going into this high school, the cool kids gravitated towards me. And what I found was that I reacted very badly to them. And it was, I had to go back to my therapist because I was like, oh my God, I was just so mean to these college, these, these high school kids because of my wounds from the past. Yeah. Like one of them was like, oh my God, Miss Abel, you're so cool. And I was like, really? Great, thanks. And I walked away. <laughs> I, was, I was a bitch. And you know what? I gravitated towards those <clears throat> kids that were by themselves in the corner eating lunch. I gravitated towards the uncool kids because that's who I was. Mm -hmm. And I tried my best to um, be that link. And so I would go to the corner of, of the lunchroom and sit with the uncool kids. And then they would kind of all look at me like, she thinks that person's cool. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, have you met them? They're amazing. And they're like this tech nerd that is going to run the world later when they get older. And so you should probably yeah. be my friend. And I would create these links. Cause I was like, you cannot do this to kids like this. And mm -hmm. then I, um, 
That's was cool. helping in a alternative class, which were all kids that just could not learn properly because they were just angry at the world. They were, the, it was a room full of bullies basically. Oh. And I was like, fuck, great, wonderful. And this kid was on one of the computers, a school computer. And he, um, he was looking at music and was like on music sites and he was supposed to be doing his work. And I said, I need you to actually go to do your work. And he was like, get the fuck away from me. And I said, Excuse me. I'm going to say this one more time. Mm -hmm. I'm a sub. I don't give a fuck about my job. I cursed at him. I said, get the fuck off that website immediately. And he just went, okay, Miss Bayo. And that was all I heard. And I thought, and then after that, he was the coolest kid to me. You know why? And I learned he had no parents at home. He was living with an aunt who didn't give a shit about him. He could do whatever he wanted and he had no structure. So once somebody gave him structure, he actually felt seen. He felt loved. He was like, Miss Bea, we're tight. We're friends. You're keeping me straight. You're keeping me on top of my work. Like poor kid just wanted somebody to show that they cared about his behavior. Exactly. So our bullies, as much as I hate them, man, I have some bullies still that I've got some, I've got some unfinished business with. Mm-hmm. And that, and I'm waiting for the universe to just cross our paths so I can oh, just yeah. <laughs> remember me. Um, but I think that if those people have properly unpacked, and it sounds like this person did some unpacking because maybe they felt called out by your messages or whatever, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> whatever triggers that, mm-hmm. like that where the self-reflection has to come in. I mean, I have never bullied anyone. Well, I take that back. I feel like I've bullied bullies before. Absolutely. In my adult years, Mm -hmm. I have absolutely bullied bullies. I think I've made a few 15-year-old girls cry. (sighs) Fine. They were ballerina bullies. They were ballerina bullies to my daughter. And I was this... I was this... dragging dragon slaying sword wielding mom that had been bullied. And then I was watching my child be bullied. And I was like, I'm going to come and kill them all for you. And I think essentially she liked it with an asterisk. She was like, okay, it makes me feel really good that you're going to fight for me, but this is embarrassing. (laughs) And my mom's not getting the best reputation by making 15 year olds cry, but that's where I I was dealing with my own. It was coming up. You know what I mean? And I was like, nobody's going to do this again. So I feel like it creates this, especially those of us who attempted because of anything that's happened in school during our formative years. Like my rape was in the school. It was inside the school. Like you had all of your bullying in the school and my rape was done by people that bullied me. So on, it was on two things on top of each other. So when that happens, I feel like we have a different level of survival tactics. Mm-hmm. Surviving high school, a normal high school experience is still fucking hard. Mm-hmm. So doing it with all of that, we are like, we're warriors. Yep. The fact that you survive that plus moving from New York to the Dominican Republic to then having to come back home and survive those cultural changes mm-hmm. the friend group changes like that's yep. a lot yep and when i came back to new york from because in the in Dominican republic the way the the schools were set up is like you had the same class with like the same 15 people you know here you have like mm-hmm. kind of like your own schedule like they gave you your schedule okay like you know from 8 to eight thirty, you have math and like you may have 
some friends in the same class, but you may not, you know, right. completely different. So like coming from that was alone, like super like culture shock for me. Cause I was like, whoa, why is there 30 people in one classroom? <laughs> like how is the teacher going to get everybody's attention? Cause in DR, like, we learn to like respect our teachers. Like, you know, they're like our, you know, I respect teachers. Like they're my parents. Right. And, you know, so when I came over here, these pe- kids are like disrespecting the teachers. They give like, no shits. Yeah. Like they don't give a shit. And I was like, uh, well, what is going on? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, after I left my high school here in, in New York, like I have some of my teachers on Facebook and, I always remember them and I'm always like thankful for them. I'm like, listen, like you gave me a space where, you know, I could come up to you and like talk to you and not have to worry about anything. Yeah. And they, they always remember me because I was always very respectful towards them. Like I never, right, right. yeah, I never gave them trouble. Like I always was like, this is what we have to do. Okay. Like I would be sitting down, like doing my work while everybody else was like <laughs> being rowdy. Um, but yeah. And, uh, when I came back, like it was okay. Uh, but I also experienced a sexual assault, um, by a guy that was cousins with one of my exes in Dominican Republic. Um, yeah, I was, I put myself up to it, but it's not my fault. I keep reminding myself it's not my fault. Like, yes, it was an error to go to this guy's house, you know. No, no, none of those things matter. Like, none of those things matter. And the more excuses and more statements like that we give men or Mm -hmm. I want to stop saying men, mask-facing people that use their their aggression and their untapped anger or whatever on taking advantage of someone else and, and violating them and raping them there's no excuse like we have to stop giving excuses yeah it's like you know i did say no and you still carried on period yep period Um, that's you know that's the end of it so i i always tell myself that you said no and he still carried on it's not your fault you voiced it he didn't listen so you know and like after it happened he completely disappeared like I haven't heard from him. I didn't decide to take it up to the police. I didn't decide to tell my mom. It's just been in a mm. closet, in a key. That's it. Like, I just didn't, you know, I was 16. So I was like, I just don't want to deal with any of this right now. Right. Um, and it took me a while to, like, you know, even open up to, like, dating guys. Like, I was just like, I, I don't feel comfortable. Like, I just do not want to interact with any, anybody. And, um, I don't, I don't think I ever told you this, but, uh, maybe I did in, uh, in my email, but I married very young. I married at 19. And oh, I did not know that. So he, what my ex-husband and I, we were good. We were friends in Dominican Republic, but we lost contact when I moved back to New York. And then like we reconnected and then he moved to New York because he got a scholarship to play baseball for a college. Hmm. Um, So like, you know, we reconnected and we started dating and like even opening up to him, like, you know, intimately, it was, 
very hard for me. Like, right. and he didn't know why, but it was because I did not want to tell him. And I think it was like almost a year into the relationship when I finally had the guts to like tell him what happened. And he was like, why you never told me this? And I was mm. like, you don't know how hard it is. <laughs> You're right. like, right. And at this time, I still didn't have a therapist. I've never seeked therapy. Like, you know, I went into college and like, that's when I, when I was experiencing bullying again with my roommates, that's when I finally was like, okay, I need to do something about this. And my first session, oh God, I can't imagine that whole month of unpacking. Like, oh God, I always tell people the first month is the worst. I was just crying the whole time, the whole session. I was just crying, crying, crying because I've never think done about, it think about all the space that that created inside you to like grow. Yeah. Ooh, that's huge. Yeah. Um, I, I seek the a therapist and cause you know, colleges have like, you know, therapy. Right. Um, you could like arrange something. So I, that was like the first time I ever did it. And she was like, Oh, like, you know, you should come to this, group therapy like you know maybe you could relate to some people and that like scared me off and I never went again <laughs> oh no I I've never done group therapy that. either um and she kept emailing me like oh like you know it's still available if you want to come and I was just like I'm not going to <laughs> going to do this like it was too much like even me opening up to her was like a lot so imagine like a group oh, like I couldn't do it yeah yeah no it's a lot yeah um but yeah when so yeah I got married and um it when we got married everything just like went upside down he was a completely different person from when Mm -hmm. I first met him I went through a lot of emotional manipulation um a lot of toxicity jealousy uh just a lot. And this was when I first started experiencing panic attacks. Mm. And I was like, your body had had enough. Yeah. And the first time like I experienced, I was hyperventilating, like I couldn't breathe. I was on the floor crying and like gasping for air. And this guy was like, you're being so dramatic. I need a drive. He legit left me in the middle of the floor, crying, hyperventilating. Yeah. That's horrible. I'm so sorry. What an asshole. Yeah. It's, it wasn't the first time, like he did it. He did it many times. He always did not acknowledge my feelings. Like whenever he was always making gaslighting, you know, always making me like I was overreacting or like, you know, I wasn't. And then like, you know, we were together for five years in total and you know enough was enough i was like i'm not dealing with this anymore uh, Good. you know i i during this these five years i was gaining a lot of weight like i was yeah, still having like these thoughts in the back of my mind but i would i i learned more coping ways to manage them because i know better now Right. You were taking care of yourself. Yes. And, you know, uh, now when I have those urges, I just grab a marker and just write on myself. Like I just write, just write all over my arm. I'm like, I don't care. 
I'm just gonna write. Wait, I lost whatever your audio. Just comes into my mind. <laughs> Hold on, I lost your audio. I don't know what happened. I lost your audio on oh, I, um, I Zencaster anymore. Let's see. It just it's like it will pick back up recording, mm. but let's try. Um, I wonder if you log in and log out of it. I can't kick you out because I need that recording that we just did, but is it your, maybe can you mute or unmute yourself? I can't yourself? hear you. That's really You can weird. hear me? I can't hear you. Oh, weird. Yeah. We lost it. Okay. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm muting myself you. here. Weird, but I still can't hear you. Okay, I'm I'm unmuting myself here. Okay. Weird, but I still can't. Can you talk now? Yeah. Oh, now I can hear you. Okay. Cool. Don't know what just happened, but let's pick up to now. When I feel you said now, I'm, I need to make a note of what we're at the 55 minute mark, so I can edit that out. Um. Um, now when I feel that way, I'm right marker all over myself is what you were saying. So start that back over. Um, so, you know, whenever I have these, you know, so suicidal thoughts or like self-harm thoughts, I just grab a marker, just start writing all over my arm. Just what do you write? You're strong. You're enough. You know, just words of encouragement, you know, just to like remind myself that like, you know, I am alive. I am here right now. You know, you're strong to been through all this stuff that you've been through and you're still fighting. And, you know, I just, I just write words of encouragement and I just, you know, I have, I also, I, I, I'm going to show this too, because in case anybody, you know, wants to, these are like journals. Oh, the no worries workbook. Yeah, and it's 124 like activities, lists, prompts to get out of your head and on with your life. That's oh, and you like it? It works? I love it. It helps with my anxiety because like sometimes like I get a very overwhelmed with my feelings. I'm like, I need to drop it down somewhere. <laughs> I also have this one. It's no worries. And it's a weekly um, like thing. So, you know, it'll... It'll, oh, nice. it's like prompts so like you know how are you what's on your mind today you know how how may you reframe like reframe those thoughts that you're having so it, these are very good tools that have helped me a lot with that I um, love that I'm gonna have you send me the links to those or the names yeah. of them and I'll put them in the description of your episode when it comes out I love that mm-hmm. and yeah my my friends also they sent they they get one of my friends sent me this for my birthday it's a mental note. <laughs> oh, cute. I love that. They're like little, like remember, eventually forget, do something about it, contemplate, ignore, or stick it somewhere. <laughs> oh, eventually forget. I need that one because I have a hard time letting go of things in general. Shocking. I know. And then there's a little box that says, went mental. Perfect. So, Perfect. You know, those little things like really help. Um, as well uh, with, you know, these thoughts. I also wanted to share that the reason why I reached out to you was when you posted about Crystal's um, girlfriend. 
Chris and I went to high school together. We went to France. Really? And we had gym in the same period. We, I think, if I remember correctly, the we met because I went to the tryouts for basketball team and she was in the basketball team. And um, that's kind of like, hi, hi, and that's it. But we never really like, you know, hanged out or anything like that. It was just like a high thing um, right. always. And then during gym period. And we, I always stayed connected with her on Facebook and Instagram. And when I saw what happened, I was like, so for our listeners, we had one face in the project who I shot in L.A. Wow, did you hear that? Sorry. People driving by with a megaphone saying, fuck Donald Trump, and I am here for it. Um, sorry for that. Uh, that was a nice little segue. Um, Rebecca, bless her heart, was um, I shot her in May um, of 2019 right? Yeah. Yeah. And then September 2019, she took her life and she was the first and only knock on wood project that has taken their life after their session. She took her life. She came to me originally to talk about her sister that had taken her life. Um, Mm -hmm. and out in her episode or in her session, it came out how much she had struggled and I didn't realize she was struggling that badly. None of us did. Yeah. Um, And then she took her life four days before, five days before my Ted talk. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. Um, And that was, that shook me. That rattled me. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, I always assume that this is a safe space for everyone and that I can help people. But at the end of the day, it reminded me that, um, that has nothing to do. You know what I mean? I am not here to save people. I'm just here to create a space and whatever they do with that. And Crystal was so wonderfully open about her grief. She's so strong. Like I, I just wanted to like, just hug her through the camera whenever she Mm. would tell stories. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like I just couldn't imagine what she was going through. Like, Cause I would say I love that that's how you found me because I feel yes. like Rebecca would have wanted that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like, that's how I found out about your project. And I was like, you know what? I want to do this. I want to share my story as well. Cause I'm sure there are a lot of Latinos and, and you know, probably Dominicans who have gone through or have experienced some sort of family bullying or, you know, bullying in school mm-hmm. and, you know, have also struggled with um, their mental um, illnesses. And, you know, that's that's what I, I want to be a support as well for people. Like I always tell people, please, my inbox is open. Like if you need to talk, just um, just shoot me a, a message. I have a friend from high school and we recently reconnected and we're becoming like really good friends. And she she told me she was very scared reaching out to me because um, she didn't want him to make it seem that it was because she needed advice because of her mental struggles. Cause she's, she just needed, she just needed guidance. Cause she never really like talked right. about it with anybody. And I was like, no, don't ever feel that way. And like, she's always like, Oh, like, I don't want to call you in the middle of the night. I'm like, call me. Yeah. 
Like, I think a lot of us do that. We sabotage mm-hmm. thinking that we're not worthy or that we're a burden. Yep. And um, I, I can't tell you how magical it is to me that you um, are now a therapist. Yes. I think that that's, I think that if all therapists, first of all, I just recently found out that all therapists have therapists, which I didn't realize. Oh yeah. <laughs> my therapist has a therapist. She was like my therapist. And I was like, what? You're the therapist? I love this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I love the fact that you are going to be and are the kind of therapist that people are going to connect to on a different level because you've been there. Mm-hmm. I wish all therapists were that, you know what I mean? For people. Um, So it's really special that you chose to do that because you are giving back in a different way. Mm -hmm. I love my job uh, just because like, you know, these, I I work with mostly the autism spectrum, um, you know, community and they, you know, a lot of them do have anxiety, like these Mm -hmm. older kids or like they struggle some in, in their household, like, you know, I did home-based therapy for like about a year and a half. And like one of, one of my kids, like, oh, it was so horrible. Like he would get these crazy panic attacks. And I was just like, man, like it's heartbreaking to see that. And, you know, the mom is already overwhelmed, like, you know, because right. he also had a sibling who was also special needs. So it was like, you know, and a lot. it's a lot. Um, but I just love being there for them and just being that voice that, you know, they need basically. They're so lucky to have you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're lucky to have you. And you know, that quote, that famous quote that is, you know, be the person that you needed when you were younger. Exactly. You've literally done that, Shanique. Like mm-hmm. you've literally become the person that you needed when you were younger. You went to counseling centers and counseling counselors when you were young and you didn't find comfort there. Mm-hmm. So you became that that's fucking rad. And I hope you know how amazing that is and how awesome you are. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, own it. Cause that's, um, that's a power move right there. That's a boss move. You boss moved it all. <laughs> yes, therapist, let me tell you how horrible you have been to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like lay it out in a professional sense and I'm just yeah. I'm here for all of it well I feel like we could talk forever but um mm-hmm. this is this has been really 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 awesome yes <laughs> I feel like we connected exactly how I wanted us to I always have like visions of what it will look like but um this is exactly how I had hoped so thanks for being so brave today thank you for connecting on a level that I know is hard and I know you were scared and I know you were worried because we talked about it, but, um, there's, you know, this because of the work that you've done and the profession you're in moving through that stuff and shifting through it creates a new space that you can grow in. And, um, yeah, you just, you did a big thing. And I tell every single person this after their sessions, go and do something nice for yourself because this is a big thing. This is longer than any therapy appointment. Mm-hmm. It is you talking with someone on a peer level, not on a professional level. Exactly. And um, it's hard. And sometimes there's vulnerability hangovers. Sometimes you just feel exhausted. So I always tell people, go get ice cream or yeah. something. Have a like a greasy burger. Just do something that makes you feel like oh, this mm-hmm. was good. This was yeah. good. Because you're a, you're a warrior. I'm, I'm happy that you're still here. 
and I'm happy that I know you. Yes, I'm happy as well. I'm really glad I got able, like, was able to do this um, despite the circumstances, but it's yeah. great. I love it. You just get two parts. Not everybody gets two parts. Not everybody gets podcast and photos. So yeah. I feel like the universe wanted this. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you again for sharing. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to your photos. I'm excited. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes. We hope you'll join our quickly growing online community where there is always someone to hold a space for you if you feel alone. If you have an idea for an upcoming guest or topic, please don't hesitate to reach out. All social media links and contact information can be found at my website, MaryAngelaAbeo.com. And until next time, take care of yourselves and those around you. And by that, I mean, wash your fucking hands, wear a damn mask, defund the police, pay the fee, basically continue fighting for the rights of indigenous and black lives everywhere, including and especially black trans lives, and do your part to abolish all forms of systemic racism. I'll see you next time.